Hello and welcome to the Gallant Few Rangers podcast. My name is Mason Stewart and I'll be your host for our Premier League show. With me as always, we have Jamie Rawls. How are you, Jamie? I'm absolutely fine, Mason. Thanks very much for having me back on, mate. And also we have Johnny Meeks. How are you, Johnny? I'm good, Mason. Thank you, mate. Always nice to be back. It is, it is. And it's another uh, jam-packed uh, weekend of Premier League football. Um, feels like, I don't know why, feels like quite a long time. Uh, that international break was, was dragging towards the end. So uh, it's good, good to have the football back. But Jamie, let's start with the biggest game, well, what was called the biggest game of the weekend. But I think you will agree with me, it was a little bit of a, a disappointing uh, 90 minutes. There was obviously a lot of talk about it being the early kickoff on, on Saturday. Um, and, and, and I think that's a, a really fair, fair point. But uh, what was your thought? So on the game, was it a fair result in the end? Um, yeah, I, you know, I think anybody going to the Etihad would would welcome a point. Um, you know, not many teams go to the Etihad and, ho- and, and hope to get a point. Never mind actually hold on and get one. Um, if I'm honest, I think the half twelve did affect some of our players. I don't think it affects the team overall. I don't, you know, let's let's create this, let's take this meta away. It's not the fact that. Um, you know, you having to kick off three hours earlier, your body doesn't change it. So it's all about the preparation that goes with it. Liverpool had, I think, there was five South Americans that were flying back on the Thursday night, which means they touched in on the Friday morning. They reported for training on the Friday afternoon, sitting with jet lag, trying to talk over a game in hand. So it's just it's just more, you know, that kind of trying to prep for a game for Man City is probably what always irks clops when it comes to these early kickoffs. But I think he's right. When you're factoring all these problems, all your half twelve kickoffs are going to be affected. Um, the game was scheduled to be a half five kickoff, but it was the police. It was the police that actually um, refused to um, support the half five kickoff. They were they were demanding it being the half twelve because apparently I think last year there was a bit of trouble between the fans outside the stadium, so it was actually a police request. So Klopp can't really moan at the Premier League for that. Um, but I think the time did affect the overall attitude towards the game, and I think it just panned out like that. City are always brilliant when they're at home in terms of the way that they play. Um, you would expect them to have majority of the ball, um, and that was to hit the counter-attack, and I think that's pretty much how it panned out. Um, we caused some of our own problems with Allison's kicking. I have no idea, you know... See, when you do it once, you don't keep persisting with it, and I don't get why we why we did it. It was quite evident in the first five minutes that Allison's kicking wasn't on par, but we persisted to keep trying to play in a minute, um, which made no sense. So we kind of brought it on ourselves. They obviously took the early lead. Haaland is lethal from that that area. You know, the ball in behind, touched to the side, and scooped into the far corner. That was Haaland all day long. But I would say that's probably Haaland's only good chance all day long. I think we did well. We you know, the, we we probably didn't get much. We probably didn't deserve much out of the first half. They were they were the stronger, but I think the second half, with a few tweaks of the subs coming on, I think we grew into the game, and it was evident from. I think it was Graven. There was a there was a save, twenty seconds before the goal went in from Allison. Graven Birch ran with the ball, played in Diaz. So two of the subs that had just come on, the ball was meant for Gakpo. He missed it. Salah set up Trent, and we got what I would call a hard-earned point from um, the Etihad. So I think that was more of a bigger point for us than it was for City. I think that was probably two points dropped for City. 
Johnny, I'd agree there with Jamie. I think it's a it's a good good point for Liverpool, as as Jamie said. I, th- I think Man City could have set a, re- a record for home wins in the Premier League if they'd have beat Liverpool on Saturday as well. So, um, yeah, credit's got to go to Liverpool for coming away from, from the point. The question I want to ask you, Johnny, is um, did did they get away with one with the with the Allison uh, the foul on Allison? Um, goalkeepers are heavily protected, um, you know. Nowadays, what, what was your thoughts on on that one? It always does my head, isn't it? The amount of protection goalkeepers get. And I don't just mean Alisson at the weekend. Alisson was not there. I don't think he was on international duty. I reckon he was away for a two-week bend at the Ibiza with his mates. He was miles off it. He just looked lost. He looked tired. He looked jaded. It was, you know, it was like he was his brain wasn't in that in that stadium. Um, and it's not like him, to be fair. But yeah, I, I agree, well, if you agree, he um there wasn't enough for a fill, but it's not just that it happens every week. I think they get heavily protected. It's like we went from one end of the spectrum to the other with goalkeepers. You know, they've always had the reputation of the harder of the team, you know, put their body on the line and can take pretty much anything compared to the player who's the complete opposite. Outfield player, sorry. Um, the players, uh, I don't know, say early 2000s, 90s, must look at it nowadays and, and shake their head. Uh, so, yeah, to, to go with what you asked, I would say they definitely got away with one. Um, I thought City done enough, but I would say that there wasn't a hell of a lot in the game. Um, like Jamie's kind of touched on, it was quite quite laid back. It wasn't really what was expected. Kind of hoped for fireworks, but we didn't really get that. But City did have the chances, the guilt edge ones, and they had a lot um, in an attacking sense. I think they had a lot more, uh, but they just, it kind of frittered out a wee bit, or they weren't on target, it just wasn't the the day he grabbed the win. And like you say, I mean, it's a good point. It's a good point for anybody to go there and get that, even for Liverpool, it's the exact same. So they'll be delighted with the point, City maybe feel a wee bit hard done by. Uh, Yeah, I think that sums it up. Yeah, I think you both summed it up up there, and I've got to say, uh, Jamie, some finish, some finish from from Trent. Trent uh, yeah, do, do, do you want to hear something? So it was, this is the kind of game it was. It was like the the whole, the whole narrative was about Doku apparently absolutely annihilating Trent. Now I didn't see that. I would seen him running at Trent in the stadium. They announced Doku as the man of the match, but the commentary gave it to Trent Alexander Arnold. It kind of shows you actually that it was one of those kind of games where it was just you could make a case for both sides and it was no real winner because actually Trent was probably the best was the, he had the highest interceptions the highest tackles and the highest passing accuracy in the whole of the game. That's not bad considering that apparently Doku run things around him all game. So I, it was kind of one of those ones. It was it was fighting fire with each other. Um, it just didn't live up to what we expected it to. I don't think Doku ran rings around them, but what no. I did notice a hell of a lot was Doku got a stupid amount of space. He mm-hmm. was free on his own God knows how many times, and that's Trent. Mm-hmm. Trent has to cover that. I don't think he did. So I'm not saying Trent had a bad game, yeah. but I still think that on a better day, he would have got punished a lot more than he did. <laughs> and I think for, for the goal that was ruled out, um, whether I like whether I think it was a goal or not, I actually think it was right to VAR because actually it was VAR extra properly because the referee gave the free kick and VAR said, well, that's the referee's opinion. There's not enough there for us to intervene. So they actually didn't intervene and they let the, let the referee's decision stand, which was no goal. 
that's how you accurately use VAO. And I know I'm, I know you guys are probably laughing at that, but yeah, ref called it as he's seen it. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, but yeah, definitely coming away. Uh, Liverpool with, with a better point, and I, I still think Liverpool. As I've said it. I still think Liverpool have got more gears, and I would expect them to be in the shout towards the, the end of the season. Mm-hmm. But Johnny. Um, coming to you for, for, for this one, Arsenal have gone top uh, top of the league. Um, at this at this stage, um, I, I think we I think it's, is it fair to say it's a very different sort of Arsenal team to what we see this time last season. Um, I think they were playing better football last season. I think they looked look more fluid. I think they looked more dangerous. But what I will say is they defensively look. Uh, uh, you know, I thought Saturday they looked a lot more solid. Um, and I'm, I know I've said before I'm not one of Declan Rice's sort of biggest fans, but I thought he had a really good game at the weekend, and he sort of said, you know, made that midfield more solid. But and it was uh, Kai Havertz that, that got the winner, um, and uh, finally scored for Arsenal, which, which isn't a, a penalty, but you know, it's a big, big goal for him. Yeah, it was huge, mate. I think he needed that as well, just for his for his self. Um, Arteta was talking about after the game because he had to actually force them to go and celebrate with the fans after the, the game because I, I think he's quite a, a laid-back kind of lad, maybe a wee bit shy, um, maybe been struggling a wee bit with, you know, because he has come under a bit of fire because he definitely hasn't lived up to that price tag. Um, so I think, yeah, I think he's definitely needed that. It was a pretty stale game, to be honest. Um, I fell asleep twice watching it. I put my hands up. <laughs> It just it wasn't really up to much. But what I will say for them is last season at this stage, they were blowing teams out of the water, left, right and centre. Um, come at the back end, we all know what happened. But this season, we're not really... We've seen, we've seen it in elements, but nowhere near that. But they're still getting the results. And, you know, I'm not saying they're going to be champions. I'm, all I'm saying is to get to that stage, you have to have that quality where you can play like dog meat and still get the points. And that's pretty much what they've done. You know, they, they, they kept at it, they stuck at it, they stuck at it and they got the reward in the end. I mean, yeah, it took them a lot longer than they probably would have liked, but at the end of the day, it's about three points. Um, so, I mean, yeah, well, let's be honest, if they could drag that over the season and play that badly and get three points every game, I'm sure every fan would be delighted. Oh, absolutely. Jamie, just to obviously, you know, about Arsenal, um, I suppose as, a, as, a, as a, a Liverpool fan, you know, obviously, like I said earlier, I'm sure you see Liverpool you know, definitely in with a shout of the title this season, especially, you know, when you look at the table. Um, but how seriously do you, do you take Arsenal? Do you think they're a real threat this season? I wouldn't call them a threat this season. And I'm, I'm, I, the only reason I'm saying that is I'm, the measuring stick has to be last season. You look at this time last season, I think Johnny called, called it out there. I think up until the, the, the international break for the World Cup, um, They'd be pretty much won every single point. I think they'd only dropped two points by the end of the year. They were blowing teams away. This has a very different feel about the current Arsenal team, and they've only made a few tweaks. You know, they've brought Declan Rice in, um, and they've obviously got a new goalkeeper, but it feels like a different. There was a graphic that they showed in Monday Night Football yesterday, and I think by this time last year um, in the season, Arsenal had scored double what they'd already scored by this time in, in this current season. So they're not blowing teams away. You know, Martinelli hasn't really hit the floor um, in terms of goal scoring yet. 
Um, Jesus has obviously been injured in the kit yeah, by this time last year. He'd already got four goals or something. I think he's had his hat trick, and that's about it. So there's a very different feel about them. But I think they're only top by default because Liverpool and Man City play each other at the weekend. And I, I don't want to be hypercritical and blow my own trumpet, but I do think City and Arsenal, sorry, City and Liverpool will be will be the top two at the end of the season. I would expect Arsenal to be maybe five points behind the second teamer because the sneaking point, the sneaking points over the line at the last minute, which is all fine, but you can't keep doing that all season. Um, so. I think I think there is a couple of points in them where they do drop, um, but I'm like you. I think that I that I didn't think Declan Rice would improve them more as much as he did because he's he's so secure in that midfield. He's box to box. He intercepts. He breaks up the play. And I know that's what he did for West Ham. But the question was always going to be whether or not he could actually take that to a higher level. He looks like he's running two two shifts in there. You know, if you think about last season, they had Partey and Jorginho. You forget that they actually don't use either of them at the moment. They've got Declan Rice pretty much running the show. Um, Odegaard um, has obviously been injured and he's just coming back. I think it was a good result for him at the weekend, but um, I don't see him holding on to the top spot for much longer. Like they've got a few tricky co- uh, games coming up as well. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, go, going forward, Johnny, um, sorry to, to come to you first with, with this one, but um, I think I think it's still the right man to come to. But what did you make of Chelsea's disaster? Um, I've got to say second half because um, first half wasn't too bad, but but second half against Newcastle was you know you look at that Newcastle team. I think they had three academy players in there, a um, lot of injuries. Um, and Chelsea second half was all over the place, and they got got ripped apart. I thought Anthony Gordon for Newcastle was really good, and he's coming into a game to be fair, and he's someone that I've criticised sort of towards the back end of last season, but I think he's been really good this season. But I think for me, I'm looking at it as a Chelsea point of view more than than how good Newcastle Newcastle were to be honest. Hi, yeah, I think if we looked over every pod for this season and listen to my review of the Chelsea games, it would be a proper roller coaster. It was there's no there is no middle ground with Chelsea. There's either excellent or shite. There is nothing in between. Um as we've seen them they went what was that? I don't know where we are now, but that was a good run of games and they were playing well. Um put some of the bigger teams away, had some of the bigger teams struggling and never looked uncomfortable, looked like they belonged to be competing. And then they go to other games, uh, like the Brentford one, for example, and play well, implode at the weekend there. The It was very much the opposite end of the scale for Chelsea. Um, Tom Milt get back in there, what a free kick from Sterling. Great strike. And then just imploded. Uh, the, 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 the space they were given was mental. The... The challenges were just rash. They were throwing free kicks everywhere and gifting them, gifting back possession. It just was over and over and over. So for all Newcastle, yeah, they done well. I'm taking nothing away from that. Um, it's a great result for them. And they deserved it. They, Chelsea gifted it. Chelsea made it so much more easier than it should be. But that's nothing new. That's what we're seeing. And I'd, I'll be honest with you, Mason, I don't think that's going to change, or at least not for a while. I think that's going to be part of the process. Uh, if they give Pep time, uh, 
sorry, Poch give the time, which they have to. You know, there's no there's not a choice. Give Poch a time. We're going to see this for a while. I've been saying it for months now as a very young team, minus Thiago, who is about 95. It's a young team, and they are going to get schooled in certain games. They're going to get bullied. There was an element of that at the weekend. They definitely got bullied. I think we're going to see that a lot. So until it settles, I think Chelsea fans and everybody else alike just going to have to accept that that's going to be part of the process. And it was grim. <laughs> Sorry, Dennis, slow but uh, yeah, I think Tony say that right. I think yeah, my, my, I say my brother, brother's obviously a big, big Chelsea supporter, and um, he, he was speechless um, Saturday night. But he said exactly the same as you, Johnny. He said uh, we're rather very, very good, or we're very, very poor, and um, this is going to be the problem. And I think, to be honest, that summed up Jamie. I think that sort of summed up Chelsea's. For the last since since the new the new owner's gone in there to be honest, I yeah. think they've, they've made some really good signings and I think they've made some questionable ones and it's just been a bit scattergun and I think the performances are exactly the same. Yeah, but I think there's something different about this one at the weekend, and I think Johnny just touched on at the end. For all for all that Chelsea have been, they've been utter guff at times, but they got bullied at the weekend. They got bullied by they got overrode by the occasion, and what I mean is like the crowd on the backs and everything. Um, Sterling scoring that free kick is an absolute wildy because I think that's the second free kick he's scored in nearly 350, 360 appearances. How he's even taking the free kicks just has me scratching my head at the best of times. It's like Harry Kane taking corners for England. Like, what's the point? But for some reason, he still gets the shots and it's an absolute pearler. Um, but from there on, Newcastle absolutely bullied them. They took the ball off them. They crossed and go, even people like Anthony Gordon. You look at the the young lad in the middle of the pot for, for Newcastle at the moment, Lewis Miley, seventeen years old, and, and he had probably an absolute outstanding game. That pass for that first goal, like the whole crowd is shouting on him to shoot, and he has the he has the nerve to to dummy the shots and and play it in for Isak. That's great. Seventeen years old, having that kind of vision. That's you know that's. You don't teach that. That's just natural instinct. So he looks as though he's going to have a bright future. Me and Colin managed to get to see him in the, the pre-season friendly we went to at the beginning of the season, and he was pretty good then as well. Um, but Chelsea got bullied. Thiago Silva didn't look right, you know, and I, I, obviously he was at fault for one of the goals, but there was a couple of times I think he tried to cut a ball out at the byline and he kind of flunked it and, and the ball went <laughs> do you know what I mean it was just like that's when he fell on his ass and yeah, got them just, pointed that I'm laughing it was very uncharacteristic you know everybody can have a bad pass back, pass back but yeah you got there was there was individual battles that were getting lost all over the park um I think I think I seen on watching on one of the replays I think I don't know if it was match of the day it showed it and Nicholas Jackson was raging because he wasn't getting to hit the free kick <laughs> yet Sterling puts it in, so it's like all those internal little things are still going on. The fact that Pochettino was up in the stands didn't help either. But you look at the Chelsea results at where they've lost games recently, you know, in the season, they've never really been bullied. They've just been outplayed or they've just been outran. I think the one at the weekend, that was that was probably a big downer for them. Um, and and adding the fact that Reese James, the captain, gets sent off. Um, I think he, his first one was he, he kicked the ball away, didn't he? And then, and then two minutes later, Sterling kicks the ball away, and they both, you know, he gets a yellow card. And you're just like, you, you can't even say, you can't even say that's naivety. 
of a new team being put together because these players, these guys have played about 200 games in the Premier League or 300 games in the Premier League. So there's no naivety, it's just stupidity. So Chelsea is still very much not playing as a team. And I think it was all about Newcastle rather than Chelsea. I think Newcastle just blew them away. The you Remember the Newcastle PSG game? It just felt like it was one of those kind of a games for them. They just bullied them and just got at them and, and Chelsea didn't know how to respond. Yeah, I mean, look, take, take nothing away from, from Newcastle. Um, especially at home, they're, they're a really, really good side. Um, but you just touched on, on Reece James there, Johnny. I just want to come back to you for this one. Um, to me, he's obviously in and out of injuries. Uh, when he has played the, uh, this season, he, he hasn't looked right. Um, and I know, I, I, I don't know if this is, is, you know, if anyone agrees, but I'm not sure if he's a captain. I think he's a good player when he's fit, but I don't see him really, you know, Chelsea captain, a winner. Mm, I'm not sure. Sounds like they were trying to get him to sign a new contract, wasn't it? That's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I was going to say that that when a player's got a contract coming up, if he's getting a name for himself, and he, he you know, has a lot of interest, sometimes they, they you know, they will do that. Hey, I, I kind of agree, mate. Listen, when you've Silver, sorry, I, I'm not changing the subject, but Silver, in a sense, when he was captain, that made perfect sense. You're not going to get a better experience in that and how to run a football pitch. Yeah, he's getting older, but he can still, he's still you know, the football brain's never going to go. To me, that's where the captain should be. Or somebody in the middle of the park. That's just a personal choice. That's where I prefer my captain to be. Somebody who sees everything and can bark orders all over the pitch. Um, and yeah, I kind of agree with James. I mean, I don't know. It's hard to tell on the pitch. You know, you don't hear really what's going on. But I mean, Reese James is injured more than he's fit. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not reliable at all. Fantastic player, yeah, and I think he's got a bright future, but he really, really needs a run away from injuries. And I think until that happens, and he's a constant in that team, that's not where my captain would be. Am I right in thinking Conor Gallagher? Am I right in thinking Conor Gallagher was the captain in the last two games, the two games that they beat? When they had the really good results against City and uh, um, Tottenham. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think it was. Uh, Sorry, only got me. Is, is it James is captain? Chilwell's vice captain, and then two of them were both injured, didn't they? So, so I think Conor Gallagher yeah, yeah. wearing the armband for a while. Two of the most injury-prone yeah, players in the UK is your captain <laughs> and your vice captain, and then you wonder why there's a problem. Um, no, I just think there is better options there. Yeah. I would rather have Gallagher. Uh, better position and he is all over the pitch uh, regardless of the result I'll say one thing for him he never stops and you get every every bit of energy that lad has you get um, but yeah I mean that, that's his choice that's his choice I just think the Chelsea I think we're going to see more and more of that and they'll, they'll come up against somebody shortly and probably you know run right through them and then we'll get a repeat at the weekend the week after yeah yeah yeah, be interesting to see how Chelsea respond. Jamie, um, Man United comfortably beat Everton 3 0. Um, I was a bit of a strange game this one, um, because I don't think Everton only got beat 3 0 at home, but I don't think they were they missed a lot of chances. They could have been, you know, apart from the Garnacho goal, which I'll come on to, so I think that deserves its own. We can all talk about that, but they missed yeah. a lot of chances. <laughs> They missed a lot of chances. I mean, Decore yeah. and, and Calvert-Lewin should should be burying it. And uh, I think United got away with one um, in terms of the chances, but 
to go and win 3 0 was obviously a good result. Yeah. I think uh, me and Johnny were talking earlier, and, and it was one of those ones that going into the game, everybody on the dog was saying this is the worst time for Man United to be going to Everton. You know, after the after the recent points deduction, um, you know, the feeling aggrieved, the 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 protest, you know, the whole week. Uh, I've listened to phone-ins where people are phoning up saying. Everton won't lose this weekend. Everton won't lose this weekend. And you just think, you know, you kind of get bored, brought into it. And you're going, right, this is going to be an absolute barnstormer. It was gone after about two minutes because of that goal that just shut everybody up and everybody just went, huh. Even the whole stadium, <laughs> even the fact that they were, even the fact that they were booing after 10 minutes kind of didn't really have the same emphasis on it because they were already 1 0 down. Um, yeah. But that aside, Yes, they probably should have had two goals before the. I think the worst, the worst thing for Everton was that half-time whistle came because it was very stop-start in the first ten minutes. But after then, they settled and they were getting them behind. The Curry should have buried it. Um, Calvert Lewin should have buried it. Just didn't happen. Um, and sometimes that can go for you, especially when you know there's so much riding on it. But then half-time happened. United came out and did the exact same again. They scored really early, shut them up, and. Give I think that was United's United's first win this season where they've not where it's been where they've scored more than one goal I think it was or something in the Premier League, so that kind of tells you what kind of a result it was for Man United. Um, but yeah, they kind of blew them away without doing anything amazing, and I don't mean the goal. I just mean Man United didn't exactly play amazing. They didn't play end to end football. They just got the job done. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, I absolutely agree, and that's exactly how I see it. Johnny, I will have to touch on the go, though, from, from Garnetra. Um, oh, I thought you were goal. talking about Martial's one. I'm like, that's a barnstormer, that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's definitely goal of the season for me. I think I think Jamie just said there, it took, if you actually listen to the audio again before when it goes in, I think even the Everton fans go, oh, you know, how has he just done that? Um, it was, it was a, a brilliant goal. Uh, the the whole the whole scenario around that game was it was like somebody was asked to paint Everton and they painted that game. Everything just went against <laughs> Everton, which is so Everton like. The apparently they raised thirty forty grand to to do that protest. You know, with all the cards that they raise the money they sell between each other and they fired up the places are called in, they were ready for blood, you know, and they were ready to get the pitchforks out and go absolutely mental and then crack that that bicycle kick. And I have never heard a silence like that. It was actually uncomfortable watching it. And I was kind of half laughing and half like, Jesus Christ. I felt really bad for them. Um, just with the whole, the whole way it came about and that, killed the game in three minutes it really did that goal killed that game um and, and listen it was a bit of magic mate you you don't see them very often obviously the last one we seen like it was was Rooney's um but I would say has has had more he had more work to do than Rooney did he, he has to adjust his feet he has to backtrack to get on that um he has to move, you know, it's about two two yards, maybe back the way he has to go back the way, readjust, and still gets, you don't get a more perfect contact. Um, yeah. So, I mean, when you say worldly, you can use it loosely, but that's definitely one of them. I don't know if it's going to be goal of the season, we're still early doors, but I think you need to have something, you need to have 
a wand for Harry Potter to beat it, put it that way. It was special. Um, and it killed that game. I know it was 3-0, but for me, that game was one in three minutes. Do you always think, you always think when, when goals like that go in as well, it always makes it look a million times better when the keeper's full stretch, full stretch trying to get it and it still hits the top bin. See, if the keeper doesn't move, you just go, brilliant. See, the fact that Jordan Pickford actually tries to dive, it makes it look more spectacular. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. yeah, tremendous. So it was, it was just yeah, ruined it was by that endless. bloody celebration that he does. The, he copies the Cristiano Ronaldo celebration. You're just like, oh, yeah. He's a lad. president of the fan club, apparently. Yeah, he is. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. But I do think there's been better. I don't think that's the best ever. Come on. He's a Liverpool goal. You're dying to give us one. Which one? Beat us? <laughs> mate, mate, I wasn't talking about Emery Chan against Watford with the overhead kick. I was gonna I was gonna go Peter Crouch for Stoke City. I was gonna go Andrus Townsend from against Man City. I, I much prefer those the big bullet ones that go in as opposed to the bicycle kit. It was a good goal. But but Jamie, uh, for Man United, uh, they've not drawn a game yet. They've rather won or lost. Um, as you <laughs> said earlier, they, 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 when they've won, it's been by a off goal. But they're sixth. Um, it's mental because they've been absolutely and rightly so. Um, they've been torn apart by you know by, by us by everyone really. Um, but they, they sit sixth, and they're you know they're not they're not completely out. Of, I don't think they'll get top four by the way, but it's not it's not out of the question. Yeah, I, I mean to be fair, I think there, there was a start. I think I seen before the international break that I think United was particularly the most informed team based over the last six games but it's all been you know to give it context it was all like 88th minute winners and McTominay coming off the bench and getting two goals and things like that it wasn't they they weren't they weren't beating Man City or Arsenal or, or Chelsea or anything like that it was just more I think they had a run of games that they could they, they, prop, they profited from really well um I I had Man United done for I got I got sucked into it. I thought Everton were going to blow them away. I thought Everton were going to you know just tore into whoever it was up was up in front of them in that one game, and it just so happened to be Man United. So I was humbled by actually how well Man United did. You know, um, Luke Shaw came back for his first game from a lengthy injury, wasn't troubled. Um, the boy Dalot um, has been stop start this season, wasn't troubled. Harry Maguire looked, you know. Pretty, pretty decent. Uh, they, they just had they just had a good game really, and even then, as you said, like people like um, Martial got got a goal. People were pitching in. Um, it was a really good three points for them. I'm not really sure what's happening with Marcus Rashford's hair. I'm, I mean, who goes into the barbers and asks for a ginger? I don't get that, but um, yeah, it was a big three points for them. It was, and uh, again, uh, you know, with Everton, Johnny, just just last bit for them. Obviously, you know, the, the ten point. Deduction. We we touched that, you know, touched on that last time. Was was on the pod, but um, do you, you know they've obviously got a lot to do there, right? In it, do you, do you think they'll do you think they'll go down? Do you think that will be that will play play a, a big big cause? I think for me that I thought that would galvanise them, and I still expect them to start when I look at the teams around them. I think it will be close, but what's your thoughts on that? Um, I think it probably did galvanise them, Mason. I just think the way that game went so early, that's what that's what changed it. Um, it crushed them. I think Everton are very much a team who need that home support behind them because it is a fiery place um, and they do definitely get behind that team. And I think they, they, they rely on that. And it just after that, the place was, just, you know, it was completely flat for the entire game. Uh, I still think 
I know, looking at the way the league is now, right, and I know what I predicted pre-season, but the way it is right now in this moment, I would say they're probably still going to have enough to wriggle out of it, simply because there is worse teams in that league. Um, you know, it's going to be a lot tighter now. 10 points is 10 points. But I still think they'll do enough. Considering they've been docked 10 points and they're still not bottom, I think that speaks volumes. Uh, so, yeah, I think they, they probably probably will still wriggle out. Uh, you've got two, two down there who are definitely, for me, done. Um, and I think Luton, will, even though they've galvanised about, I think they'll still struggle. I think those three teams are probably what's going to save Everton, 10 points or not. I think the key. I think the key to this whole. I mean, we said last week we fully anticipate Everton to survive this, but I do believe they're going to have a lot of heartache before then, because if you look at the fixtures in December, so they're away to Forest on Saturday. Forest have been banging at least two goals in the last. I think the last, the last four, five of the last six games they've scored at least two goals. So you think they've got the work cut out there? Then they're at home to Newcastle. That's not an easy game. Then they're at home to Chelsea. You would anticipate Chelsea are going to come up and finally get some kind of, you know, performance. They're away to Burnley. Then they're away to Spurs. They're at home against Man City. And then I think they finish up at the end of the year away to Wolves. That's seven fixtures that you think, only looking at one of them, Burnley, away maybe. But even again, it's away. You think, so... I think they're going to have a lot of heartache before they actually get through to the end of the season and get themselves safe. But um, three points at the weekend would have done them big time because it would have projected them a little bit higher. The fact they didn't get anything from the game, you've got to stop looking down the line now and going, right, where can we actually, where can they actually pinch those points from? Um, I'm looking at probably one of the next seven games that they're realistically probably going to be a favourite going, excuse me, going into. Yeah, that, that's the thing. That ten points has definitely dragged dragged them right in the mix. They're in it. They're, they're in it. I, I agree with Johnny. I think there's worse in the league. They're, they're in it, and they need to get. They need to get you know point them points uh, and more back. Um, Jamie, coming to you then. Um, Spurs, very Spursy. Uh, three defeats <laughs> in a row now. Um, they've got obviously got a lot of injuries, um, suspensions, and it's all. All coming home to to roost. Um, Aston Villa on the opposite. You, you just got to praise them. I thought they look they look good again at the weekend. Solid. Um, Emery so underrated. I think we've said it on here before. But what did you make of that one um, on Sunday? Obviously all the VAR calls. But for me, I don't think there was any in there that that, that they got wrong. To be honest with you. No, I think um, Ange Ball is hundred percent over with. Thankfully, um, to win. The manager of the month, three months in the row for your first, has obviously come back and bet him a little bit with the, I don't think, I think they said that um, it's the first time, um, you know, they've won, they've lost three in a row after winning manager of the month. So they're breaking all the wrong records now. Um, but that aside, I think the weekend is a perfect summary of actually how well that squad is. Nobody at the start of the season said, Tottenham will win anything because we always expected them to struggle because they've got a good start in 11 but then you've got to go deeper than the 11 and look at what the backup is because they're ultimately going to get injuries um, and I, I, there was a, I think there was a narrative I'm watching before we come to watching on Sunday's game and they panned to the players and they were like look at you know look at the look at the the injury list three of those players were there because they got bans not because they were injured you know you go back to Romero's ban and, and you know and it 
they've they've shot themselves in the foot. If you like the two serious injuries are the boys Van der Veen and um, Madison. You yes. would arguably say Madison is the is the is the biggest one because he's so he's so effective on the ball and he, he plays so many players and he's always at the forefront of all attacking football that Spurs do. So to kind of take him out of that is always going to be a challenge. Um, the Son has blanked for three games in a row after getting his hat trick, so he's obviously suffering, and I think he's all going to be suffering because he's not a number nine. You know, he plays naturally on the left wing. He's been asked to play up front, and it's a completely different style for him. He doesn't come deep; he stays up front, tries to run in behind. But when they don't have the dynamism from the midfield running through, you've got people like Hoiberg and uh, Saw who are naturally defensive. They're missing a trick. The one person I do feel sorry for is a lad Benneker. He, when they had him on loan, remember when him and Kulisevsky first start, played for Tottenham, they were brilliant. Everything went through them, and he got that bag of injury. The ACL, they they brought him. That was his that was his game back at the weekend, and now they've just announced he's going to be up for two and a half months after that injury. So he lasted thirty three minutes. So I kind of feel sorry for him, but how good were Villa? Villa were blown away for forty four minutes, and I can say that comfortably because John McGinn even said that. Yeah, at the end of the game, he said we we deserved nothing from the first half. The fact we went in at one one was you know was a good kick on the backside, but they came out in the second half. Emery made changes, and you know big changes. He took the boy Diaby off, who's arguably one of one of their better players this season, and brought on Tielemans and Leon Bailey, and Tottenham just didn't get another look in. Um, I think Tottenham were brilliant for about thirty minutes. But then they kind of ran out of ideas. They didn't have much else to say. Um, and then Villa turned up. And I thought probably one of Villa's best three points they'll get this season, that was. Yeah, I think you made some some really good points there. I agree with you about uh, you know, a few things there. But some some through the middle, um, you, you're absolutely spot on. It works if you've got the quality, you know, just behind him to feed in them balls and do do, you know, get him further up the pitch. But I think in the end, I think you summed it nicely in terms of the, the Tottenham subs, because their you know their squad they're really thin. You could see the difference where Villa had quality coming on, and and, and they ended up. I think in the end they, they could have won it three four four one. Um, Johnny, um, what was your thoughts on on the game overall? And obviously Ollie Watkins as well getting getting the goal unlucky not to, to get two. Uh, Emery's really turned. He looks he looks a right right good. Uh, Centre forward at the minute, and um, again, I think that's just down to down to the manager. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's he's done exceptionally well with them. They do they have good depth now. Uh, we've talked about it a few times, and they're not an easy game for anybody in that league. So you know, it was by no no way a formality for Tottenham. Um, and Jamie's right. Uh, first plus point of view, they do have a really poor squad depth. Um, what they have to cover if they do lose the big players is nowhere near what they're coming in to cover. So, I mean, the two lads are out, uh, both new signings, and had both been excellent, to be fair, and were a huge part of that that surge in, uh, in Spurs starting so well. So that is a big blow for them. Uh, I mean, we'll give them that, but two players shouldn't be enough to see a team, you know, start falling really fast Um it doesn't mean that's going to be every week, though. You know, I didn't want to jump the gun on Ange Ball just yet. <laughs> the, there's still plenty of time uh, for him to get the back under control. I do think, though, he's maybe a wee bit too bold for his own good, Postacoglu. Um, 
we've seen it with the changes and the way that he's done things. Uh, for example, when um, in the Chelsea game with the most highest line ever not a man, and you know, persisting with it, maybe a wee bit uh, it's not arrogance, you know, maybe just a wee bit stubborn, to be fair. Uh, and to change things, uh, you know, it's my system, it's going to work. It wasn't working, it was clear it wasn't working. And at the weekend there, he made three changes in that midfield. Um, for the, the team I lost to, to was Wolves. Um, so he brings in, let me think, Lacelso, uh, Benton Court, and Brian Gill. So that's three players, and neither, not one of them has started the game this season. I mean, that's a huge change against a very good midfield in Villa. Um, so for me, that's a bit of a red flag. Um, maybe a wee bit too much off the deep end. I hope the boy comes back quickly, by the way, Benton. Who came back today that that injury is actually ligament damage, and he's been yeah. out for a long time. Now he's going to be out for a month, which is it's hard for a lot. Um, I feel bad for him. But I mean, I think for Ange, it's all about learning how the Premier League works. I think in Scotland, you can be bold like that if you have a squad equality that's streets ahead of the rest of the league, minus uh, the Rangers. But they do have a huge advantage in terms of personnel and expenditure. So they can afford to do that. They can get away with that. That doesn't work in the Premier League. You know, a bottom, bottom three team will punish you in the Premier League if you try that. I think that's what we're seeing with Spurs. But I do think he's a clever manager. I would, I would hope he would learn that, you know, Changes need to be made, and he has January to try and show that up a wee bit. I think now he needs to just take it to January and try and pick up some points and not let it free fall. Yes, but I, I think I think they're in a good place still, Spurs. I know they lost three, and you know they will get a bit of criticism, and rightly so. But but he's done a done a decent yeah. job, you know. It, it, so it, it could be four four losses in a row. They've got Man City away on Sunday, so uh, um, yeah, Man City away on Sunday will be. Uh, you know, it's it, obviously the fans are still with him, and I think while the fans are still with him, he'll have all the time in the world to implement whatever it was. Going into City, you, as I said, if they, if they don't beat City at the weekend, um, or they don't come away with a point, that's four. Then the following week, they're at home to West Ham, which is another London derby, and then they've got they're at home against Newcastle. Um, They've got some tricky ones coming up. They kind of need to start putting not point points on the board because that's the wrong thing to say. But this, it's just um, they need January as quick as possible, don't they? Because it's obviously that they're going to bring in some kind of changes. But um, yeah, they're going to. I think they're going to have a few sticky ones going forward. Yeah, they've definitely got a tough, tough run of pictures, as you say, coming up. And I think it will be interesting to see you know, another defeat for and how they sort of respond from that. Um, <laughs> So it'll be interesting one next weekend. Um, Jamie, coming back to you um, for the next one. Um, uh, and I think this one, I thought it was a really good game, uh, the Monday Night Football. Fulham beat Wolves. I thought it was end-to-end, um, had a bit of everything. But again, it's another game that's that everything that's coming out of it is about VAR. Yeah. Um, what, what did you make of Barry O'Neill's comments last night? I think uh, Johnny, you put something in the group earlier about you know the amount of decisions they've had to go against them and uh i do actually feel for them um, because some of them have been really really poor decisions but yeah it, i think i kind of feel sorry for him as well because the questions he's being asked are very unfair 
you know, the media are obviously trying to get a reaction out of him. They're trying because that's what the headline is. And I thought he did really well last night to stay reserved and just talk about, oh, how am I meant to approach this? How am I meant to answer this? There's got to be a point where I've got to say, no, I'm not happy with this. Um, and I think, you know, we talked about the difference is something like eight points. They could be eight points better off this, you know, if those decisions hadn't gone against them. Not that they'd won them, but if those decisions, if those decisions hadn't gone go gone against them, they could have essentially been eight points better off than where they are now. That's a big difference in the Premier League. We're talking about ten points taking off Everton and stuck in the bottom three. Eight points can take you out of a bottom three kind of thing. Like, and I don't think Wolves are going to be in a dogfight, but you know. For Gary Neville, uh, Gary O'Neill, sorry, that that's a big, that's a that's a big lot of points been missing, and, and, and you know, scale it back. Nobody looked at last night's fixture, Fulham v Wolves, and when that's got three two written all over, that's going to be a barnstormer. You know, it, it looked a bit of a dreary one that you think, right, Fulham need to get a point on the board because they've went a few games without any points. Wolves is always a bit. I think they they, they won the last game out, didn't they? Um, it was a bit, you know, continuing that run to finish the way it did three two. Um, was, yeah, a bit of a, a head-turner. But then you look at it, you dissect it, you go, look at the penalties that were given. I mean, there was a couple that, you know, naivety from tackling in the box, shall we say, from the defenders, you can argue with. But that last one, that's never a penalty in a million years. When it happened live, it looked a penalty because of the camera angle. But see, when they showed you the replays and you see he gets to the ball first, the, ball, the legs planted, and the defender and the, the, the attacker runs into the standing leg. Well, that was what happened when. Do you remember when Newcastle got the penalty against them in the last minute and they got an apology for? That's exactly the same thing. And it was absolutely, I think, I don't, I, you know, I think it's absolutely terrible that, that these things are still happening um, after being highlighted so many times. Um, this season, and what I mean is that, so I think we said something the other day that was a start where they'd already issued 13 apologies in the Premier League for mistakes given in terms that have affected the games. Consider this one number 14, and that's up something like 200% compared to the previous month, which is absolutely ridiculous when you think about it. Um, there was, what was it, Gary, Gary O'Neill said something at the end that was a bit, not troubling, but worries the, the ref apparently said to him after the game that if he was sent to the monitor to re-review that, he wouldn't have given it. No, he's writing what he says, but that's probably not the time and a place that you tell the manager because he's now got to go onto the screen and what you think he's going to talk about. And that's what I mean is that whole consistency piece, the whole how that is structured. I don't know what the answer is, but the ref telling him at the end, if I was to ask to go and relook at that, I wouldn't have given it. It's not going to do Gary O'Neill any favours, whether it comes to accepting that decision or B, then go and address it in the media because he's going to fucking throw you under the bus and then it undermines the man, undermines the, 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 the ref again. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's kind of like, kind of damned if you do and damned if you don't at the moment from a referee point of view, but... I don't think he should be saying that to Gary O'Neill at the very end there, if that's what has actually happened. No, no I was surprised to, to hear that myself. I wasn't surprised, to be fair. But, uh, Johnny, what did you make it, make of it last night? And just the inconsistency we're seeing week in, week out. And, and 
oh, it's, it's really frustrating. I'm not a fan of it at all. Um, not a fan of it at all. I think you're re-reffing every sort of moment. I mean, the one for me that really frustrated me was the Tottenham-Chelsea game a couple of weeks ago where brilliant game of football. Um, that first half, I thought it was end-to-end. It was such played at such a, a pace. But everything was re, you know, re-reffed. And, and, and I just thought it just killed, killed the game. But, you know, in terms of Wolves, uh, sorry, yeah, Wolves and, and the amount they've had against them this season, you've got, you've got a feel for, for Gary O'Neill. Yeah, mate, I mean, I don't think it's any kind of, you know, out to get Wolves kind of thing. I just think it's poor officiating again and they, unfortunately, are the brunt uh, host of these decisions by what's looking now that might well have cost them seven points. Seven points for Wolves is massive. Um, a lot of team people, sorry, tipped Wolves for the drop um, and they've done well. As has O'Neill, he surprised me because I thought he would just make them worse. Um, but uh, yeah, this definitely isn't helping them and I think you, you nailed it perfectly when you started first starting, first started talking about it, sorry. Is um Jamie asked me today what games I had seen and had I seen last night's game. And I was like, Yeah, it's a great game, really enjoyed it, I had pretty much everything. But what did we end up talking about? It wasn't about the game, it wasn't about the goals, it was VAR. You know, VAR was the topic, and this is exactly the first thing we've came to when we speak about the game here, because we have to. And that's you know, it's it's not good, mate. Uh and it's very much that. Again, like you said, re-referee in the game. Uh, you hear the, the whatever audio does get released, um, the, especially the, Wolf, the Wolves ones that we've heard so far, you have these extra officials in VAR. They're not suggesting. They're telling the referee what the problem is. This should be a foul. That should be a penalty. That is offside. This, that, and the next thing. It shouldn't be like that. It should be a case of, we think we've seen something. Please go and review it and look at your thing. You know, if it's something more obscure that he's maybe not going to see, then fair enough. But if it's just an opinion against what he's gave, they don't have to give their opinion. They don't have to say, you're wrong, and you know, because we think it's that. It's not that black and white. It's a case of, we think there might be a mistake there. Go and recheck that penalty claim. Go and recheck whatever. They're not doing that. They're putting the idea and the thought in the referee's head before he goes to the monitor. So he's already got a program before he goes there. So 90% of the time, the decision is made for them. Um, so I don't know how, they, how they're going to change it or how they do it mid-season. I don't think they can. So we're going to get more and more of it. I think Wills are just going to have to hope that it's not them again. The one thing the one thing that worries me is that the penalty has, has evolved this season, you know, especially with VAR. It was a, lot, a lot of VAR was about something the ref might have missed. It's now turned into... As Johnny says, their opinion. For example, we've seen far too many penalties given this season. Take Wolves out of it. There's been too many across the board where the defender has not initiated the contact. The defender has went for the ball and the opposing players tackled into him. I think back to, I think Anthony Gordon did it um, beginning of the season against Palace, I think it was. We've seen um, Newcastle did it um, against Wolves. Haven't we seen that Arsenal got, uh, got one? The penalties now change because attackers know they're going to get some court, some form of a decision if they not leave a leg hanging in, but if they initiate the contact with the person that's defending the ball. And I think that's, that's re-reffing it because, as, you, as Johnny says, you, you can't give your opinion. 
theoretically, the way I view VAR should be somebody should be saying to the ref, we think you need to go and have a look at this again and let the ref have a look at it. Don't say nothing to him about what you've actually seen and just say, we want you to have a look at this situation. And it could be just that challenge from last night. And if the ref looks at it again and goes, no, I'm happy with my decision, then the VAR don't say nothing. See if he says, well, actually, no, I've seen something there. Then he makes his decision on the field again. But again, that's it's it's splitting hairs of how it should be used. But um, I think I think the penalty has evolved this season in terms of attackers are now leaving legs hanging and knowing that they're going to get some form of review, some form of decision um, to, to to aid their cause. And what's worrying is that they talked. About, there was something in the news today that VAR is going to get more power. VAR is going to start looking at second yellows. Um, they're gonna get. They're gonna get start looking at um, automation for the ball being out of play. It just, it just seems very scary. And then they talk about the sin bin, which I think ruins football, in my opinion. If a sin bin comes in, so very troubling. They are, they are just ruining the game for me, though. They're, they're just. Yeah. If I had they're the opportunity to never go into VAR, if you said to me, you know, just don't ever go into it, and we just have, you know. The, the linesmen are still getting offside wrong. Referees still getting. Football's always been like that. It's always, you know, there's always. But now I just feel like it's just. I think you're putting young kids off it. Yeah, I, th- I think I think I think we said it um, recently on a, on a previous pod that. The the, the the argument is skewed is, is skewed a little bit because the, the the stats say that VAR works ninety seven percent of the time, as in like it gets ninety seven percent of its decisions right. But compared to before VAR to where we are now, the correct amount of decisions given is only risen by two percent. So for that two percent, we've actually put ourselves through all that heartbreak of changing how goals are celebrated, changing the next Y Z. I don't think that's right. I, I, I don't even know 97%, right? That sounds wrong. Yeah. Well, the only thing I think we really needed, and this is obviously in hindsight, was Hawkeye for the goal line technology, which is 100% right. If the ball went over, and an automated offside. An mm-hmm. automated offside that quickly says, person A was ahead of person B when that ball was kicked. VAR, I'd take away the rest of VAR if I could, because I think it should come down to the ref. Refs are too yeah. scared to make decisions now. And if they make decisions, the mates tell them go and check it again. Thing is, that's one thing you said as well, and they've admitted this that yeah. a lot of them are really good friends. So if I'm out with, with Jamie and we're in a debate about football and I've got a strong opinion, and see, I'm talking to somebody else, Jamie throws his opinion, and I might not agree with Jamie's opinion, but I'm not going to shut him down in front of everybody. You know, I'm not going to shut him what he says, I'm going to find a way to adapt. His argument into mine as well. I think we're probably getting part of that. Um, I think it is dangerous. I think they've oversaturated it and they're just going to keep adding more to a point where, like we, we've mentioned a few times earlier in the season, where they kill everybody in emotion in the game and it becomes almost robotic. And I think when you do that, you strip a huge part of what football is. You take it away. Absolutely. Absolutely, Johnny. And we've all got it. We're all, you know, football fans support teams. But see, when we score a goal now, it's a case of. You know, in the big games, you're not celebrating the way you it t- takes it away. It, you know, it kills it. It kills it. It's, it's, it's not good. What um, was the game the other day that had three offside goals in it? Is it? Is it the Tottenham? 
Tottenham, uh-huh. Son, Son, Son scored a hat trick, but all three were offside. Now, they were all correctly offside, but his natural reaction there was to look over the line and see if he's off rather than run away. I'll do it. I think Torres is offside. That's part of the reason they lost, is because Hussam Min can't read the line. I was human <laughs> watching that game. Honestly, I was I was spitting. I've never seen a player read the line. It wasn't just the goals either. He was offside constantly. But so yeah, that was Nevar's fault. That he, was him. He's not so used to playing a number nine role. He's not used to being so high up. He's normally one running in behind, uh, coming up behind in the number ten role. So, yeah. <laughs> Johnny, last game I want to sort of touch on. Um, and we'll quickly round off the others, but but was was the, the big talking point I think from this weekend um, was Luton getting their their home win against uh, Crystal Palace um, and deserved to as well. Um, I think I, we said I think we've said it. I, mean, I think all three of us said Luton they're going to be down there, but they've surprised me to be honest. They've got a chance, um, and and then they're, they're not out of it. I still think they're lacking a little bit of quality, but you know they, they can they can pick up some wins at home now. Um, over the next couple of months where you go in there um, and it's going to be that old sand, it's cold, wet, uh, windy, uh, and that was always stoked, but you've got that at Luton now and it could, it could, uh, that, could be, that could be huge for him over the next couple of months. Oh, they've got a chance. No fucking chance. Gosh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm only kidding. If we've got any Luton listeners, please don't send me on fact. Um, no, they, they, they've definitely found their feet. I think that would be the best way to say it. Um, they do have a, a weak squad compared to the rest of the Premier League. Um, they're miles off it, but they're still they're competing. They're, they're very dogged. Um, he's got them well organised. They're tight. They're a good unit. And they've looked a lot harder to break down, which before they looked incredibly fragile and it was always a matter of time. They don't really look like that anymore. Uh, so you can only give credit to that, mate. Um, I mean, they both had a lot of chances in that game, to be fair. And even when it was, uh, I think, Luton were up at that point 2-1, there was two huge chances late on. I think Palace at the bar, and the other one was a, a save, which would have been 3-1 Luton. So, I mean, it could, have, it could have swung. But I think when you come at the back of that, I think Luton done enough to win it. Uh, they earned that one. So, I, I, still, I still think they'll struggle, mate. It's a long season, and... Even the first eleven is is thin, so if they do pick up a couple of injuries and in that as well, I think they they will absolutely toil. I think, yeah, I think they're still going to struggle. But listen, I give credit where it's due. They've looked a lot better. I think they will pick up more points, maybe than most expected, because a lot of them predicted to get break records in terms of how many points you know they finished the season. I think Derby are the holders of that, and a lot of them tipped Luton to beat that. So I don't think that will happen. And it was a it was a big one, good one. I like their gaffer. Uh, I just think it'll be a wee bit a step too far for them come the end of the season. Yeah, I would agree with that definitely. Jamie, what's your thoughts on on that one at the weekend? Yeah, it was probably a three-pointer coming because they should have got points against Tottenham. They should have got points against Liverpool. Um, you know, they've 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 played a lot better at home than what they have away. Um, they were fully deserved of the three points. However, that Michael Elise goal was something else. That that run on the wing to bend in was very Salah-like. As that's the, probably the best you know play that I can give it. That was very Salah-like, and to come in off the right-hand side on your left foot and scoop it into top net it was an outstanding goal. Um, but sadly, um, 
and, and I, I, feel, I feel really odd with this. I remember seeing the Johnny Johnny International break. Who who the hell's the lad up, up top for Scotland? I've never heard of him before. The lad Jacob Brown. And I have no idea. He played for Luton and all of a sudden he pops up with the winner at the weekend. I'm like, oh, that shows you how much I do, doesn't it? But uh, yeah, apparently that's like only his third goal or something and X amount of appearances for them. So it was obviously a long time coming for them. Um, but they've got some really good runners in the team. The boy Chong, um, I remember when he came on against Liverpool, he completely changed changed the dynamic of that game for them. Um, you know, um, so yeah, I think the three points were coming. They should have had three points against Liverpool. They should have got a point against Tottenham. Um, Palace, Palace have had really good clean sheets recently, um, but. You know, they've always got a slip up in them any time, time soon. And I think uh, it was a welcome three points for them because um, I think I think this weekend they're away to Brentford, which is a tricky a tricky one for them. Um, and then they're at home to Arsenal. Um, and then they're at home to City. Um, and then they are away to Bournemouth. So, you know, not six pointers, but they've got a couple of nine pointers coming up that they probably need to try and get something from if they're going to stay in the league um, and, co- and and prove us wrong. But it was a good three points for them, definitely. Yeah, big, big win for them. And Johnny, just the, the last the last sort of point of, of this week's show, it was uh, away wins for, for West Ham away at Burnley, Brighton away at Forest, and uh, Bournemouth away against your favourite team, Sheffield United. Um <laughs> um, out of that lot, was there anything there that, that sort of stands out for you? After obviously, you know, I think Bournemouth scoring three goals, I'd probably have to go with. Um, yeah, I mean, I expected them to win. I predicted that, mate. I just think uh, it's not that I'm not a fan of Sheffield. I've nothing against Sheffield. I'm just not a big fan of Paul Hick and Bottom. Uh, and Bournemouth have looked. Look decent. I mean, they're another team that have, you know, they've done reasonably well. They've started okay. I thought Brighton's was a good result as well, mate, because I thought, uh, I think, I thought Forest would maybe pick that, you know, because Brighton are a wee bit hot and cold. I thought Forest might get something out of that game. And then they had a red card as well. So I thought that was a decent one as well. Decent, uh, sorry, close game, but still a good uh, three points to get away from home. So, yeah, pretty much those two, mate. I think that's Sheffield United. Is that name Rock Bottom? It is, isn't it? Yeah, I just want to check myself so I can smile. Oh, no, it's no. Ah, I bust my bubble. <laughs> Burnley. Yeah. Burnley. I'm forgetting. Burnley. Yeah, I'm forgetting everyone. I'm forgetting how bad Burnley are. Yeah. Burnley's a head scratcher, you know. I really expected something for them. Really Burnley, played, Burnley played well at the weekend as well. It's just that big row of red L's, mate. I, mean, I didn't mm-hmm. expect them to set the league alight. I just thought they would be competent enough to be well clear of relegation. And no, not even close. Yeah, That's I think he would bad. last. How long do you think they would give company? Sorry, I didn't mean to steal your job, Mason. How long do you think they'll give at that rate? I, I, think, I think he's got a bit more time. But as you know, it's a ruthless, ruthless sport, isn't it? And if I don't know, if they if they, get, if they go into the next sort of they go into January without the press of January, that the press is January, yeah. 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 Then plus they, they're going to want more money. I mean, do you want to throw money at somebody if it gets to? I mean, there's every chance that he doesn't pick up a point till January. 
I mean, we would have said, if I had said to you pre-season, Burnley get 13 games in and don't have a, you know, only have have no wins on the board and only four points, you probably, you wouldn't have bought that. No. So, yeah. Here's one for you. Sorry, just there was a so the the the, the Bournemouth game. So the lad Cliver, um, I heard a question on one of the radio shows, and I never heard the answer to it. Um, but the question was that Cliver became the seventh player, the seventh son to get to score in the Premier League, where his father scored already in the league. So I'm trying to. I've been racking my head trying to think of who the seven are. And I can only get to four. So so I've got Cliver and Cliver. So Patrick Cliver and his boy. I've got Ian Wright and Sean Wright Phillips. Then you've got Ian Wright and Bradley Wright Phillips. So that's because Bradley Wright Phillips played for Man City as well. So that's three. You've got Paul Ince and Tom Ince. And then I get stuck. Apparently there's another three and I can't think who it is. It's not appearances because appearances would be a lot more. You've got the Cashbush Michaels, for example, but apparently these are goals scored. What about um, Holland? Hall- oh, yeah, of course. So that's five. Holland and Holland. Um, I've been racking my head for days. Trying to, I think it was like I think it was like I think it was Monday morning. I heard it. I've been sitting there thinking I can't I can't figure this out. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good one. That. Well, I think the Bradley Wright Phillips and the Ian Wright Phillips and the Sean Wright Phillips would be the, the conundrum one that people don't probably remember. Because what about the lads? Um, oh, play for Chelsea. Furlong. Two of them played in the Premier League. Did they? Paul Furlong and... I don't know if they scored, though. Mm. I remember Gus Poyet's son played for Tottenham oh, as well, but I, can't, but I can't remember if he scored... One to think about. I'd probably get the get the listeners in involved in that one if they can I think of who the last is. two were. Something like Daryl, Daryl, Darnell, something, something like that. I don't know if he scored on each other, each cheat, but I know they both played. I bet there's a lot that played. Yeah, there's a lot more that have played because, nah, as nah, I said, nah. you've got the Poyers, you've got um, the Schmeichels, for example, and and stuff. But um, yeah, apparently there's only seven that have actually scored. Father and son have both scored in the Premier League. There we go, listeners. Um, yeah. <laughs> Just to throw that one in there before we move on, because yeah, the climate yeah. lads, uh, obviously, another one for the stats. But but just Jamie, just to sort of round it off, we'll, we'll just finish on the the Burnley uh, Johnny's point on Burnley. Um, I two, a couple of my mates were West Ham fans. Went up to the game Saturday and said that they they robbed. They robbed it in the end. Um, I, watched and it. Then... I watched it. They absolutely got out of jail. It was literally last guys. And and you know what? Um, they only got away from. They only got out of it because of the lad up front. Kudos. His balls. Yeah. Uh, you know, he got two assists, but his cross um, for the for the second goal was absolutely sublime. Um, and big so check at the back stick. He does that so often. Um, but yeah, they proper stole three points there. They really did. Um, I thought Burnley absolutely batted them for the first half. I think Burnley would turn down a penalty and then they got a penalty, I think it was. Um, and they were well worth, well worthy of being ahead um, in the game. But yeah, West Ham, the quality of hanging in there at the death just stuck with them. Um, I think Danny Ings started up front for them and he was non-existent. Um, Kudos was on the wing. I think Paqueta had a quiet day. 
Um, the defence didn't look great. Our guards, who I quote, I really like, was very average. Um, but they absolutely stole it. They really did. Um, as I said, I watched. That was the that was the game I watched on the on the on the Saturday three o'clock. Um, but they proper stole that one. They did. They did. Um, yeah. So it'd be interesting, as I said, another one to, to watch his company because mm-hmm. Burnley fans that listen to Talksport Saturday night. Some of them are. Starting to Have you seen who they play this weekend? No. Sheffield United. Yeah. Yeah. This weekend you're looking at you're looking at Arsenal at home to Wolves, Brentford at home to Luton, Burnley at home to Sheffield United, Forest at home to Everton, Newcastle at home to Man U. That's Saturday, so Saturday night's going to be a spawn stormer. I fancy Newcastle to rip them a new one, but they might have the European hangover. They're doing really well in the Champions League right now. They're currently leading PSG one nil, so uh, I think they might sacrifice. Um, a few lambs in order to keep that three points going. Um, but then Sunday, you've got quite a few games at two o'clock with Bournemouth at home to Villa, Chelsea at home to Brighton, Liverpool at home to Fulham, West Ham at home to Palace, and then you've got City Spurs at half four. So uh, quite fancy a few of them ones to... I think Chelsea Brighton's got goals written all over it. I think City might batter Spurs. Um, yeah, just, that's a just, signal for Ange, because yeah, he's obviously, I, he needs a win. I quite fancy that to be like a 4-0 or a 5-0, yeah. I really do. See, the, see, thinking about the thing, well, uh, not really going back, but talking about Spurs, <clears> the one thing about even just having a few losses, right? Now, we spoke about injuries and stuff, but they have had those losses. Mm-hmm. The press and so many fans are itching for him mm-hmm. to fail. You know, they are, they, they are just waiting to leapfrog yeah. and jump on simply because of where they came down from. They are hoping that it happens. So there's a part of me that doesn't want to see them fail just for, just for that and nothing else. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's a, that, that's, a, that's a sore one for them. That's a game right now that they don't need. Yeah. I, I, I think the big ones will be, I think Newcastle might batter Manu and I think City might batter Spurs. They'll be, they'll be two barnstormers then. Did you say Steve yeah. Bruce? Sorry, did you mention Steve Bruce and his boy? There's two. Alex Bruce. Ooh. He scored. And Ooh. Steve Bruce scored. That must be one. Yeah, that's got to be one, isn't it? You better not be Googling. I'm looking at the fixers of Tiki Sword. I've only got one. I can't be looking that hard. <laughs> yeah, Steve Bruce definitely scored in the Premier League as well. Alex Bruce, did he, he play for Birmingham City, didn't he, in the Premier League? Oh, yeah, Hull as well, wasn't he? <coughs> mm. yeah, Hull, yeah. There you go, so we're still missing one. <laughs> yeah, no idea. Right, well, if anyone else can uh, get it in before, before we work out, that'd be appreciated. I'm missing Joe. <laughs> Last thing to do, gents, is to thank you tonight. So, Johnny, thanks for tonight, mate. You're most welcome, and thank you. Always nice to be on. Uh, Good luck to Sheffield United at the weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we can. Thank you, mate. Thank you. What's up, man? Uh, Jamie, thanks as always. As always, Mason, thanks for having me back on. Nice one. And we will be back on next week to go over um, some of our predictions. We've come out there. there. Uh, so everyone put on Spurs to nick a 1-0 win. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but, <laughs> but as always, take care. Thanks for listening.